our neighbor this morning and greet them into the church. So with all the women away, or many of the women away, I'm sorry, ladies who are here, I'm sorry. Um, with uh, a lot of the women away at the women's retreat, we were asked to get some of the straight street kids to come up here and sing. And uh, Casey and I play guitars at straight street. So this is kind of what we do at straight street on, on Wednesday nights. And we sing these songs. So if there happens to be a song that you don't know, then just sing along and enjoy it with us. And we'll uh, praise the Lord together, all right? So this next is Awesome is the Lord Most High.
pray this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, it is such an awesome privilege to once again join fellow believers in praising your name. Lord, it is, it is our privilege to be able to stand up here and play instruments and sing, God, and we just thank you that you have um, allowed us to be in this place. Lord, we ask that you be glorified through what we do up here, what we do sitting down there, God, as we, as we praise your name, as we lift our voices, God. We thank you for the breath that you give us today, for the voices that you have given us. God, that we may exalt you on high this morning. You are such an awesome God, and we praise you this morning for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
name the Lord's people said, amen. Boy, you guys are sounding really good. I think you've been practicing over at Straight Street, haven't you? Sounds awesome. These kids are part of our youth group that meets over in South Park uh, at Straight Street on Wednesday evening. And uh, a lot of these kids are going to Ecuador here this summer. Raise your hand if you're going to Ecuador, okay, on the mission trip, okay, good. So these kids are involved, and uh, we're really happy about that, and uh, we appreciate them a lot. Um, many of our ladies are away this morning having their service uh, at the retreat, and they'll be back this afternoon. And uh, we thank you, fellows, for making it possible for them to go on, on this treat, retreat this morning. Um, our sympathies go out to Tim and Diane Harvison. Tim's mother just passed away. And if you know the Harvisons, we'll be, uh, we'll be giving you a, a little bit more information as, the, as that unfolds. So just remember them and pray for them. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning. We'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you provided a means of income for our people. You've uh, given us the strength and the energy to go and make a living for our family, and now we come to present a living for your spiritual family right here on top of this hill, uh, the Church of Christ in this place. We pray now that you'll pour out your blessings upon each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
together as we play the last song. serve an awesome God and thank you for praising him with us today this morning.
give them another hand. They're exciting to have our teenagers up here, huh? Thank God for our youth ministry. I'm especially thankful for our youth ministry. I have two teenagers over there now. And uh, Dane, stand up. Dane is directing Straight Street. Let's give him a hand. We appreciate him. And uh, he and his wife doing a great job with their team over at Straight Street. I know your wife's away at the women's retreat right now. Or actually, she went home to see her parents. Huh? She went to New York. When you're from New York, you got to get home every now and then. Keep that accent, right? But uh, we're so so thankful for what God is doing in our church with our young people, and uh, I'm especially thankful as a parent. This morning, I'd like to ask you to turn your Bibles, if you have them, please, to Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. It's where we'll be spending some time this morning. But I want to talk to you about this thought of when God calls, He changes your life. When God when you meet with God, He changes your life. When He does, when He speaks to you, He asks you to be His follower. He changes your life. And I know there are a lot of things that uh, that happen in our lives that make make a life change. And um, I can look back through my life and I see different different times and different things that happened in my life that there was a big change in my life. Like I went away to college, that was a big change in my life. Um, my daughter, big change happening in her life. She just got her license. Okay. And it's a big change in our whole family's life because now mom and dad are a little bit more cautious. You know, I, I'm starting to think about the tread on the tire now. I can drive bald tires, but I'm not going to let her drive with bald tires. And so it changes everything. And, and so as, as I've watched her with this license, it's like, wow, there's a whole new world when you have your license. And I, I remember whenever I received my license, it was like a whole new world opened up to me. I had freedom. Or so I thought, anyhow. But uh, it, was, it was a change. And this morning I want to talk to you and encourage you from God's Word how that whenever we have, whenever we receive a call from God, when God touches our life, He makes a change in our life. He makes a, a major, major difference. So let's begin reading this morning. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days he will rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are, not, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if, any man if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What, what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now this morning, I want to just start out at the beginning verse there. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. He says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Let's just stop there for a moment and think about that. Here's Jesus with his disciples. And if you go back and you review chapter 8 there, you'll see the different events that they 
were doing together, that they were ministering together. And now he comes and he has this little time with his disciples and he instructs his disciples that, listen, the Son of Man, Jesus himself, the Son of Man must suffer. And there's things that are going to happen. Uh, let, let's look. I'm, I'm, we'll put that on the screen there, Mark 8, 31. So he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. So Jesus is very specific what's going to happen. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Okay? Uh, let's read this out loud together. He was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Also in Mark chapter 10, verses 33 through 34. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, they will spit on him, and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. So this morning we see that Jesus is, I wanted to show you this, several passages to show you the impact of Jesus' mission. He's trying to prepare his disciples. He's saying, listen, I am going to suffer. I am going to die. But let's put it up here this morning under the mission of Jesus. I'll just give you a few thoughts here. He's telling them, number one, he is going to die. That's the first thing. He is going to die. Number two, he's telling them that this is intentional. In other words, you know, we know that Jesus had all the power. He could have escaped it all. But he was very intentional about what he was going to do. He was going to the cross. Uh, this was not a suicide mission. This was not something that was haphazardly going to happen. This wasn't like, oh, the, uh, the, the scribes finally caught me. This was, this is what's going to happen. And then also we see here that uh, he will rise from the dead. And as you and I understand the resurrection, one day... If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, one day you will die and your body will go to the grave. The Bible says that your soul goes immediately to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And as that body is resting in the ground, it is decaying. God says that one day it's at, at the rapture that those bodies will rise up and we will meet, meet them together with our soul in the air. Be with the Lord. And so God will rise up. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about his resurrection, very specifically, three days, and he will rise. Um, and what he didn't tell them when he was doing that in those particular passages was the why. And now let's look at the why. Why did he come? Why did he have to die? And uh, over in Mark 10, 45, it says that he died for a ransom. Let's read this together. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this was why Jesus came. He, be, he came because of our sin, because your sin, my sin, has separated us from God. And we needed a ransom. We needed the price to be paid. Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8, says that truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. I cannot pay the ransom for my daughter's life. 
I cannot pay the ransom for my wife's life before God. The Bible says here that no man can do that. But Psalm 49.15 continues and says, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol. Man can't ransom his own soul, but God can. And so God here tells us the Son of Man, He didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came to be the ransom. His life is a ransom for many. In other words, one for whosoever will. If you open up your heart and receive Him as your Savior, you can take part of that. You can have His ransom be your ransom. But this is what His mission was. This is why Jesus came. And so the question this morning is, have you accepted His ransom? Have you opened your heart and accepted that price that He paid on the cross? Well, this morning, the call of God changes their lives. He ministered to the people. Jesus ministered to the, to the crowds. He called these disciples. He called them unto himself. He said, follow me. As they followed him, their life was changed. As Jesus was ministering to the people, they came, they sought after them. Their life was changed. But let's continue on in our passage this morning. Verse 34. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if any man, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus ushers a call to follow here. And the call here is very simple. <laughs> deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's it. It wasn't just, hey, come and learn something. It wasn't just keep coming to my teachings, and hopefully you will have everything I've said. No, he was always about teach them to obey everything that I've said. He said, deny yourself and take up your cross. I want you to think with me what the crowd that understood, the crowd that Jesus was teaching to that day. Those people there understood the Roman crucifixion. They understood that a criminal would die a brutal death on a cross and that the Romans made them carry their own cross down to the place of execution. And so as Jesus told the crowd this, imagine what was going on in their minds. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. He's healing people. He's doing all these great and mighty things. And now you're saying, take up my cross and follow you. There's, a, there's denying myself and taking up my cross. You mean there could be potentially suffering. There could be most likely suffering. Jesus gives it to us here very plainly. Deny yourself. Cross-bearing does not refer to some irritation in life. Rather, it involves the way of the cross. The picture here is of a man already condemned, required to carry his cross on the way to the place of execution. Jesus, as Jesus himself was required to do. So this isn't just dealing with the irritations of life. Life has enough irritations that are out there. He's saying, be prepared to suffer for my name's sake. Be prepared that you will suffer. I like what Warren Wiersbe says about taking up your cross and self-denial. He says this, denying self is not the same as self-denial. We practice self-denial when, for a good purpose, we occasionally give up things or activities. But we deny self when we surrender ourselves to Christ and determine to obey his will. This is what God is talking for us to do. 
You know, sometimes my will collides with God's will. Uh, God, I have a way that I want to do, and this is what I think we ought to do, Lord. And God says, I have another way. It's called His will. And so we keep struggling back and forth. And as you are following Christ, God's telling us this morning, He's saying, look, take up your cross, deny yourself. The, the two go hand in hand. When, you know, when, when you're carrying the cross of suffering, you are not thinking about yourself. And that is a big change for us, especially as Americans. If you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He's telling us to treasure him more than we treasure comfort. Do I treasure Jesus more than I treasure comfort? You know, we live in a great land, don't we? I love America. And uh, somebody told me this the other day. I heard it from the people who are promoting the compassion sponsorships. They said, if you own a computer, you're among the top 10% of the population in the world. If you own a computer. And I was thinking about the computers that I own. I have a smartphone that goes in my pocket. I have a laptop. I have a desktop. I have the dead laptop. You know, and these things are... They're piling up, and we have all these things, and I'm complaining because I don't have the fastest speed. We live a comfortable life here. So for us, in the world that we live, it is a struggle to even totally catch what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to value your relationship with me more than anything else. I want you to value that relationship with me more than your comfort. You know, when we go to Ecuador, we always get come back excited about what, what we see because we see people who are eating rice all day and praising God. And we come back, and we, we almost get this idea that that is so abnormal that they would have nothing and worship the Lord. But this is what Jesus has called us to do. That is authentic Christianity. We are to be following him more than our personal comfort, more than our pleasure. Philippians 3.8, the Apostle Paul said, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So the people of that day, they understood the Roman crucifixion. They were visualizing a man carrying his cross to the death penalty. They, were, they saw the voluntary. Jesus is saying, I want you to voluntarily Sign up and follow me. Take your cross and follow me. But there was also a cost of discipleship, a cost of following Jesus. And uh, the next four statements, beginning in Mark 8, 35 through 38, these four statements all kind of build together. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit? a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I like the statement that Jim Elliot made. Remember Jim Elliot, the famous missionary that was a martyr in Ecuador. He said, he is no fool to give that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. And that's what Jim Elliot ended up doing. He went in to that tribe 
to the Alka Indians. Mark Schlegel and I got to actually visit that place. Jim Elliott gave his life. He gave what he could not keep. Our life is short. It's but a vapor, the Bible says. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Remember we sing those songs? As I look on the power of, the, of our great God, I'm not a fool to give up what I cannot keep, to gain that what I cannot lose. I'm going to gain eternal life. I'm going to gain eternal rewards. So when you're thinking and, and looking at your life and you're following Christ, let's look at just a couple of the thoughts there this morning. He says that if you'll lose your life, that you would find it. So he's telling you to lose your life for his sake. I, I just love whenever I hear somebody say, I've given my life to Christ, that I'm following him. It's exciting when we hear people throughout the church that will say, I'm signing up, I'm going to help do this in the church. I want to help out in the children's ministry. You know what you're doing there? You're giving up your time. And when you give up your time and you give it to God, you're finding your life. This, this is exciting. Um, he says, lose your life and you will find it. The next point there, Cindy. He says, gain the world or your soul. What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? The things of this world, we get so consumed by temporary things. And he says, listen, he's not telling you to go out and not have a job and not be successful at your work, but he's saying to be more successful at your relationship with God than anything else you do. And pour and invest in that because what shall it profit a man if you gain everything over here, but you lose your eternal, your eternal investment in, the, in your relationship with God? And next he says, don't, don't be ashamed. I put the word speak up in your notes, but it's really deeper than speaking up. It is this idea of affirmation, uh, 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 not just affirmation, but love and respect for your God and ad admiring the Lord, worshiping him. And when I talk, when, you know, I talk about my family a lot, I'm not ashamed of my family. That's why I talk about them. I just, I love my family. It's just a natural thing that comes out. And so there's something deeper than just speaking up. And we've all had those times where, oh, man, I wish I would have spoke up a little bit more. I wish I, would have, wish I would have named Jesus before that crowd. Sometimes when I go out with a group of people, and, you know, sometimes you feel a little awkward even to have prayer over a meal. You even feel a little awkward to pray over a meal. Well, God's not talking about those moments where we cower down a little bit. He's talking here about are you admiring the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Do you have this connection with God? Jesus didn't hide what he was asking for. You know, when, when Satan, Satan went up to Eve in the garden, he said, surely you won't die eating this. It looks so wonderful. Not, it's surely you're not going to die. God's word said that you will die. And what did Satan do? He said, forget that. Look here, this looks so wonderful. Why wouldn't you want to eat of it? And he did it, and he deceived. Satan is a deceiver. And I found that to be true of most things, actually everything that Satan does to us. He comes to us and he tricks us. He says, listen, you'll be happy if you, if you be lazy. You'll be happy if you just don't read your Bible. You'll be happy, oh, you'd rather watch TV instead of reading, your word, reading his word. And all these things that, we, that get confused because Satan says, take this now. This looks so good. And then later on, it's pain, destruction, and it's, it's brokenness. But what does Jesus say to his disciples here? 
Jesus say? He says, take up your cross, follow me. It may be suffering. As a matter of fact, there will be suffering. Follow me. This is not the happy-go-lucky trail. This is, I have a mission. Let's go. This, this week, I saw uh, something exciting up here at the church. We had safety day. Uh, Kelly Corey, one of our preschool teachers, was there, and all of our preschool staff, they had about 50 kids up here and a few parents, and so it was kind of an exciting time. They brought out all the fire trucks. Those fire trucks are so exciting. I, I love it more than the kids, you know. If we had them up here, all the men would be out around those trucks. It's just, you know, it's just something about it, you know. You just want to be like Tim Allen. Ho, ho, ho. You know, it just, just brings out the best in us, you know. And, uh, and so they had out all the fire trucks, and I'm, I'm with Jeff Lawrence. Jeff Lawrence, is, who comes to our church, is the president of the fire department here in Finleyville. And his son, uh, Jacob and Lance, both of his sons are firemen with him. And it's exciting. You see these guys, they come in and they have a mission. And if you ask them what their mission is, they'll tell you two things. Saving lives, putting out fires. That's what they do. They are trained. They know how to do it. Every Monday night, they have fire school down here at the fire department. Every Monday night. So these guys, and they're volunteers. So they come, and it's, there's a mission that has drawn these men of our community to come. And I am so thankful for those men. Because that alarm goes off at 3 in the morning. We hear the whistle in Finleyville. I get up. It wakes me up. I pray for them, and I go back to bed. Those guys, they're gone. They're gone for most of the night, however long it takes on their calls, and their sleep is disrupted. They have a, a huge cost that they pay. But uh, one of the things that really grabbed my attention, I was standing in the back of the room here, and it just grabbed my attention, was that his son is involved. And he has trained his son to go into houses that are burning and on fire. So put up this picture, Cindy. This is, uh, this is Jeff and his son, Lance. He brought Lance in. Lance was dressed in plain clothes like he would anywhere walking on the street. And he instructed these little children. He said, now this is how we protect our firemen. And he put on the, the, the overalls, put on the boots, put on the jacket, helmet, oxygen tank. They have a little device that goes off if they're not moving over a minute. It's, it's very interesting. But I'm standing there, I'm saying, those guys train for that. Those guys are brave men. Those guys could lose their life. When they go in to a fire, there's no guarantee that they're coming back. I've been at their house. Uh, we're pretty good friends with the Lawrence family, and I've been over there for dinner every now and then. And, and boy, you'll be sitting eating dinner, and all of a sudden the, the alarm goes off, and their pagers start beeping. Jeff, Jacob, and Lance, they run. It's like the action happens. And there's his wife sitting there. And she's saying, I just pray every time they leave. Every time they go. I'll never forget one time she called us in the middle of the night and said, would you pray? This is scary. It's tough what they do. But do you know that kid there, he's the high school senior at Rinks, trained to go in fires. When he goes in there, he doesn't think, wow, I could lose my life. He doesn't think, wow, I wish I were sleeping right now. He doesn't think, 
oh, I have homework to do. That's the last thing on his mind, I'm sure. <laughs> All right? He is not thinking about any of that. He is thinking about the mission. I'm here to save lives. I want to make sure there's not a little child in here. I want to make sure there's not an adult in here, a grandmother. I want to make sure nobody dies in this fire. And he is prepared. He's equipped. That day that they were up here was the day of the big fire down in Texas. And that, from my understanding, was six firemen lost their lives that day. There was a solemnness amongst those guys because it, it, it really bothered them. But when they go out, they don't think about the cost. I would say for the firefighting, at that moment, they've denied themselves. They've carried the cross of potential suffering, and they've won on the mission. And that's what Jesus wants you and I to do every day of our life. He wants us to be denying ourselves, counting the cost, and following Jesus. Following Him. And not thinking about, whenever I go out to, to follow God, I don't think about, uh, about the potential that could happen. I think about the mission. I'll never forget one time we were in New York City. And, uh, and we, were, we were doing a little meeting with our teenagers. And a, and a guy came running out. He was like a crazy man. And he, was, he had a chain in his hand. He was swinging a chain. This was 15 years ago when I was a little rambunctious. And we were out there, and, and this guy's swinging a chain. He's yelling, Diablo, Diablo, which is Satan in Spanish while we're handing out the gospel. So what do we do? We start counting all the heads, getting them in. And there was a little Shannon, now what? And she was in high school, and she's telling somebody about Jesus. I said, Shannon, we got to go. She's like, but this person needs Jesus. I said, but those people got to live. Let's get in there. Sometimes we may be called to pay a price. We're going to always protect our children as they go out and, and take a youth group trip. But what about you in your life? Maybe there's a price to be paid. Maybe there's some sacrificing that God is, is, has down the path for you. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. He's referring to this, to us to uh, come and adore him. Mark 9.1, as you follow the passage into, into, the, uh, into the next chapter, he said to them, Truly I've said to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And here he was referring to what was about to come in the transfiguration. Because a few of them, Peter, James, and John, got to witness the transfiguration and they saw the power and the glory. And I want you to think about your own life. God is not necessarily saying you're going to have all sacrifice and you won't see me working. No, he's saying you'll ha you will sacrifice, follow me, but he is going to work. And God is going to transform lives. God is going to give you power and grace as you speak for him. He's going to give you power and grace as you, as you make decisions for your family, as you spend time, uh, the things that God's called you to do. Lastly, this morning, I'd like for us just to look real quick to the, to the life of Moses. Moses was, was, uh, was a, a, a man who followed God. And uh, just a real quick recap, if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 through 5. Exodus 4, 2 through 5. And um, Moses, as you know, was, uh, his life had been saved, put in the basket down to Pharaoh's court, raised in Pharaoh's court. And then he goes out and he lives as a shepherd. He leaves Pharaoh's court 
lives as a shepherd for 40 years, and then God calls him to lead the children of Israel out of the hand of Egypt. And so here we are in Exodus 4. Moses has been saying, giving God every excuse why he couldn't do it. And then he says to God, but what if they won't listen to me? And this is what the Lord says to him, verse 2, Exodus 4, 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a shepherd's staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Which, by the way, is the most dangerous place to grab a snake. Catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became, and it became a staff in his hand. And they that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. God had a plan for Moses, and Moses was following, as he's following God, God said, listen, there's something in your hand. I can use it, but you've got to let go of it. This is part of counting the cost, denying myself. The shepherd's staff, you know, quite often we, we think of a shepherd's staff a little differently, you know. I, if I were to walk through the woods, I'd grab a stick and I'd use it, and then I'd just kind of throw it away. But let's think what the shepherd's staff really represents. It represents his income, his security, his provision. He's a shepherd. He didn't just have any old staff. This is one that was used for years, and it was part of, part of what he did. It was also represented his influence. He, he would guide the sheep. He would lead the sheep. He would use it to discipline the sheep. It was part of his identity. My understanding is that many of these shepherd staffs, uh, they were filled with markings and, and, and kind of told their life story, a little family history, if you will, on the shepherd staff. So when he threw that down, it wasn't just some twig in the woods. It wasn't just something that he grabbed to help him to go down and talk. It was something that he used all the time. And it represented a lot. It meant a lot. And he threw it down, and God took it. When Moses laid these things down, it became a living thing that displayed God's power. And that's the fill in the blank on your paper. It displayed God's power. When Moses laid these things down, his, everything about him, it displayed God's power, and it proved that Moses was from God. But when he picked it back up, it became the same old thing. I want to challenge you in your life. Let's follow Christ. Let's deny ourselves. Let's take up our cross. Potential suffering. We, we don't live in a country where we face a whole lot of suffering for our, what we believe. But that can change. I pray that it doesn't. And we're fighting everything we can out there that it doesn't. But we live in a time where that is a potential down the road. How about the suffering that you may receive from your family members when you're at a dinner talking about Jesus, and they say, maybe, maybe, could you stop talking? I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody, but it's happened to a few of our gatherings. You know, could, could we just have fun? Why you got to be so serious all the time? And so we start to feel this little bit of persecution. Maybe, maybe somebody at work doesn't identify with you anymore because you're one of them Jesus people. This, these are the things that we are called to do, and there's potential suffering. So where do I begin? Today, I'd like to ask you, where do you begin on your journey? How do I carry my cross? How do I respond to God's call in my life? Well, I believe that we need to deny ourselves and carry our cross and spend time in prayer. 
Do you realize what it takes for prayer? Prayer is the ultimate act of self-denial. I'm coming, when I'm praying, I'm de- I am taking my will and asking God for his will to supersede my will. God, would you please allow your will to be number one? I'm praying about a situation. Lord, I'm praying for provision over here. You can provide more than I can. I've humbled myself. Yes, I go to work. Yes, I can provide an income. But God, I want to ask you to provide this. Lord, here's my children over here. God, would you work your will in my children's life? Not what I want, God. God, I know what they should be, but you know really what they should be. And this is where we begin. And so you're also denying yourself. You're making a sacrifice to spend time. How about Bible reading? What it takes to read the Word. This book will change your life. If we will just, if we will just get into it and spend the time, God will change our life. It's a living book. That's why it's so exciting. Week after week, we come to our church here where a living book is opened up. And God's Word changes your life. You go home, hopefully you're not waiting until next Monday to get another dose. Go home and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, keep the doses going. As I said earlier, if, uh, if, 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 you can't, if you're not big on reading, go to Bible.com and start listening. Go to our church website. You can catch the Bible reading plan on our church website. Follow along with what pastors asked us to do. And just listen along. And you can you soak so much of it in. I know people that are on the road all day. They have a CD in, in, in their car. Either way, get the Bible in. And we, we deny ourselves. And I carry my cross. It takes work to sit down and read the Bible. It takes time. I have to sacrifice a little TV time. I have to sacrifice American Idol time to get into the Word. And, uh, and these are sacrifices that, that you will have to make as well, whatever the sacrifice is. How about to admire Jesus, to deny what I want, put His will first? How about to speak up for Jesus? How about to give, give Him my time, my talent, my treasure? These are sacrifices. These are part of the journey that God's called us to. So I want to encourage us, church, as a church, let's go. Let's continue to be followers of Christ. Let's deny ourselves. Take up your cross voluntarily. Voluntarily take up your cross and follow Him. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to encourage you this morning. You Hopefully you've been challenged by God's Word this morning. I'm so thankful for His Word and the eternal nature of God's Word, the greatness of God. Maybe you're here and you say, well, Ken, I'm not sure if I were to go to heaven. Don't necessarily know if that's where I would go. The first step for you of this whole journey, the whole mission why Jesus came, the whole mission why He invited these folks in and asked them to call and follow was because of who the mission that he had to save your soul when Jesus came he died on the cross to pay for your sin and so maybe this morning you need to open your heart to God and if that's you you can pray a prayer real simple just call on him say Lord I'm a sinner I've done wrong things and I need you in my life you died on the cross you paid for my sin you came back to life again 
and I accept your free gift of eternal life. Lord, you said whoever would call upon you would be saved from their sin. So I'm calling on you now. Thank you for saving me from my sin. For others in the church, maybe your passion to follow has been fading. Maybe you've just been going through the motions, just kind of showing up and just kind of hanging on. I want to challenge all of us to go to the next leg of the journey, to deny ourselves on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day. Deny ourselves. Take up your cross and follow him. So I encourage you, take a few moments with the Lord and call upon him and say, Lord, I need to recommit in some of these areas. I need to refocus my heart, my attention. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you are. You're a great God. You're worthy to be praised. Thank you that you have called us unto yourself. You've allowed us to be followers of Christ. Lord, I, uh, I'm honored to be one of your followers, and so are your people in this place today. We ask that you'll give us a renewed commitment, renewed passion to following, to denying ourselves and putting your will first. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close with a song of invitation. If you'd like to come and kneel at the altar and pray, we invite you to do that as well.
thank you.